0: I don't know how many of you have ever experienced this, but sometimes the Christmas season doesn't always turn out the way that you expect it to be. Can I get an amen to that, right? Uh, we come to the Christmas, and, and I'm sitting here, and, and, and we're singing, it just dawned on me, we're singing the first Noel, and I don't know if there's anybody else here that felt like me, but it's like... Is it really like this close to Christmas right now? Uh, It's just kind of crept up on us. And and a time of year when it's supposed to be so filled with, with joy and it's so filled with peace, it can sometimes be filled with a lot of anxiety. It can be filled with a lot of conflict. It can be filled with a lot of disillusionment. The Christmas season is marked by more emotional stress, someone once said, and more acts of violence than any other time of year. And so it's a very stressful time, and I find that very ironic that this child that was born to bring us peace, the world has kind of flipped that around, Satan has kind of flipped that around and made this a more of a time of, of turmoil and anxiety than, uh, than it was intended to be. I mean, this happens all the time. Maybe maybe some of you bring somebody home from college, somebody that you've met there, you bring them home for Christmas. It's kind of like a meet the parents nightmare, you know what I'm talking about? I don't know if anybody's ever been through that or not, and you bring somebody home and it just does not go well at all. Your parents don't relate to that, that person at all, and then it's just it's just awful. Or maybe maybe you just got married and you're excited about celebrating your first Christmas together, but you tell your mother and father that... You're not coming home for the holidays. You want to have your own Christmas. Has anybody ever been there? And and then that doesn't really end all that well. Or maybe you invite all of the relatives over to your house for Christmas, and um, you kind of got this vision in your mind. It's going to be a time of laughter. It's going to be a time of joy. It's going to be a time of just celebration. But the night ends in maybe harsh words and pouting people and... You are completely disappointed. And all of these kinds of things can happen during the holiday season. All of these things that that we never saw coming turns what should be joy, turns it into sorrow. And it becomes a source of of conflict. But that's really nothing new. Uh, Mary and Joseph had difficulty that very first Christmas as well remember that story I want you to go to Luke with me again if you have your Bibles very first chapter in the book of of Luke Uh, and uh, we're going to review some of the events of the Christmas story that caused Mary and Joseph to have this this disillusionment this conflict maybe even at times this lack of of peace Now you think about for years there was this uh, anticipation, there was this rejoicing that one day God was going to send a Messiah into the world, he was going to save the people from their sins, but in spite of all of that joy and all of that promise, there was disappointment in the first century. And I want us to see today how God brought joy even in the midst of that misunderstanding. Because there was a lot of misunderstanding that was taking place in that particular story, right? And then when we look at the Christmas story and we see what Mary and Joseph was going through and we look at our circumstances and we see what we have to go through, maybe we can learn from them some of the things that they did in order to bring peace and joy into our lives, even when it's not all that peaceful. So Luke, uh, the uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, it tells us about Mary's joyful experience. And it starts off, it says, in the sixth month, right? Now in the sixth month of what? It's not. It's not the month of June. When they're saying the sixth month, this is the Backing up a few verses to Elizabeth's pregnancy, right? So Elizabeth is six months along. Remember we talked about that last week. And it's this older woman, Elizabeth, Elizabeth who was barren. She hadn't had any children up to this point. And the Bible says she was six months along with John the Baptist. And when she was six months along, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. Now Galilee, if we say Galilee... That did not exactly have a positive connotation, right? That was kind of like the backwoods, okay? When we say Galilee, it's kind of like us saying, I'm not even going to mention a place. Because if I mention the place, I'm going to hear, okay, let's just say, let's not say. Okay, let's not. I'm going to get myself in trouble. So God sends an angel to this backwoodsy kind of place, right? And it says, to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. over Israel forever, his kingdom will never end. And then in verse 34, Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. Now, we didn't talk about this in our Bible study last Tuesday, but those of you who were with me, we, were, we marveled at just how Mary accepted everything and didn't doubt, but initially, she did doubt. Right? She said, how? this isn't possible. How can this be? And the angel explained, yeah, I, I, know, I, I know that you know all about biology and how it works and all that kind of stuff, but, but this is going to be a miracle of God. And it's not explainable how it's going to happen. It's just going to happen, and you need to trust it. In verse 35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the baby to be born will be holy, and he'll be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. And so I want you, if you're taking notes right now, or if you have your Bible with you, or you have a highlighter, I want you to either write this down or I want you to underline it. I want you to highlight it or whatever. Here's the next thing that I think we need to understand and we need to believe is still true today. For the word of God will never fail. Some translations put it this way, for nothing is impossible with God. Can we just repeat that together? For nothing is impossible with God. If you believe that there's a God who created the universe, nothing is impossible with Him. A miracle is an act of God that defies the laws of nature, okay? As we understand the laws of nature, a miracle is something that happens beyond explanation. It's something that cannot necessarily be proved by science and and. and, and They're rare, they don't happen a lot, but we do see them. I do believe that God still performs miracles today, and nothing is impossible with Him. In verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. So she doubted initially, but she didn't doubt for very long. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Now when the angel left, can you imagine how Mary must have felt? I can imagine that Mary is bursting with joy. And you can understand why. Think about what just happened to her, right? An angel chooses her. God chooses her, actually, to send the angel to her. She's been visited by this angel, and that in itself would be a spiritual high. But the angel told her, Mary... You are the most highly favored woman in all the world. God is looking at you right now, and you are the one. You're the woman. You're the most highly favored woman of all time. Well, that'd do a lot for your self esteem, right? I mean, ladies, you like to be told when things are going well, or when you look nice, or when you did something nice, right? Guys, you do a good job? I don't answer that because I'm putting myself on the spot now. I'm not really good at that at all. But ladies like to be complimented. I know that. And here is an angel of the Lord telling Mary, you are the most highly favored of all. And that would do incredible things for for your self-esteem, for sure. God had chosen her over all of the women in the world, and she's going to have a baby. And she's not just going to have any baby, right? I mean, having a baby in and of itself brings a lot of joy, but this baby is going to be great. And he's going to be the son of the most high God. He was going to be the long-awaited Messiah. And so Mary is exuberant, but she had one big problem. Who's she going to tell? Who's she going to share this with? Who can she go to that's going to have the same amount of joy that she has right now? Mary needed somebody to share her joy with. She needed someone that she could express it to who who would understand. And and I know that you know when when our child accomplishes something really well, we like to share those things. Right? Whenever something good happens to us, we like to share those things. It kind of reminds me of the preacher who skipped church one Sunday morning to go golfing. You probably heard this before. It wasn't me. Not a true story. Skip church one. Sunday morning, went golfing, right? And God notices what's going on. He's looking down. He sees the preacher getting ready to tee off on a 375-yard par four. And he says to an angel, says, watch this. And the preacher tees off, and he hits one just as straight as can be. And he just murders the ball. And it's flying down the fairway, and it lands in front of the green, rolls up onto the green rolls into the cup, a hole-in-one on a par-4, 375 yards. I don't know if any of you guys are golfers or not, but that's pretty miraculous, right? And the angel said, he skipped his own church. The preacher skipped church to do this. Why did you do that? He said, who's he going to tell? Right? <laughs> this is kind of how Mary was, right? we get <laughs> That's so dumb. <laughs> but it's true. Mary is in this Predicament. She's got this incredible thing that has happened in her life, and who's she gonna share this with? And and we get on Facebook, right? And we and, and we we talk about what our children do and what our grandchildren do and, and all of the wonderful things that happen, and we want to share those things. Or, or maybe your favorite team has won, mine never does, but maybe yours did, and, and you've won against a rival team, and you want to share that with somebody, and, and you want to share that. With somebody who has the same passion for your team as you do, right? Who's going to share this joy with Mary? I wonder if she went and told her mom, dad. They're kind of like, "Whoa, what? Are you serious?" Right? Skeptical, apprehensive about it all. I wonder if she wondered about telling Joseph, her fiance, and then thought better of it. Because she didn't tell him. Remember, a little bit later on, the angel tells him. She doesn't tell him. Luke one thirty nine says, A few days later, Mary hurried to the highlands of Judea to a town where Zechariah lived to visit Elizabeth. Now, you need to understand, this is a journey of over 50 miles. She's doing this on foot. It would take about three or four days for her to get there. But Mary remembered the words that the angel said to her. Elizabeth is going to have a miraculous child too. It's almost as if the angel is saying, if anybody's going to believe what's going on with you, it's going to be her. Right? And so Mary's thinking... I'm going to go talk to her because if anybody's going to understand this and if anybody's going to share this joy with me, it's going to be her. And so she hurried off to see her to share the joy with somebody that would understand. And Mary walks into the front door. The Bible says Elizabeth's baby did what? Leaped in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and said, Mary, you're so blessed. Who am I that the mother of our Lord would would come and visit me? You know? Mary, you're so blessed because you believed every word that the angel said to you. Mary knew that she was in the company of somebody who got it, somebody who understood, somebody who was feeling very similar to how she was feeling. And she burst forth and she prayed. And this prayer is written down and it's verse 46. This is how Mary responded. And she'd been saving this up for days. I mean, think about this, right? She's not able to talk to anybody. And so she's having these thoughts And she's saving him up for days. And she says, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one is holy. And he's done great things for me. And look at verse 56. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her home. They rejoiced together for three months. They hung out together for three months. And what do you think happened at the end of three months? How far along was Elizabeth? She was six months along, right? Mary stayed for three months. Why'd she stay for three months? She probably stayed to see John the Baptist be born. The Bible didn't say that, but, you know, if the math is mathing, then, right? That's probably what she did. And so, I think that she rejoiced with that, and then she went back home, and now... She went back to Nazareth, and Joseph, her fiancé, well, let's just say he didn't really share the joy that she had. (laughs) I want you to go to the book of Matthew. Just a couple books back from Luke. First chapter, I want you to see Joseph's disillusionment, right? So we've got the joy of Mary and everything that's going on in her life and how excited she is, but then we have this disillusionment of Joseph. Joseph, when he heard the the news, he was dreadfully disappointed in Mary. He believed that Mary was this moral woman, that she was this righteous woman. That's one of the reasons that she was selected for him to marry her. But when she comes back after being three months away, visiting Judea, and then Mary informs him then that she's having a baby, He's absolutely devastated. And you can kind of understand that, can't you? Right? I'm sure he felt sick to his stomach. He's speechless. He just, he just left. She claimed that she'd been visited by an angel, and this was a virgin birth. And I think that only made matters worse because Joseph's like, wait a minute, nothing like this has ever happened before. I'm not buying it. Okay? Who would be naive enough to believe a story so far-fetched? Can you imagine Joseph talking to his friends after Mary has told him this? Yeah, she's expecting, but it's not my child. Um, and she's not been unfaithful. It's, it's God's. You know? Can you imagine what his friends are thinking? Yeah, right, Joseph. Come on, wake up. How stupid do you think we are? Yeah, we understand that, Joseph. That's what. They, no, they didn't say that at all. And here's the dilemma, if he went ahead and married her, his reputation as a godly man would be ruined. He'd have to raise a son that didn't have his DNA, and he'd have to live with a woman that he couldn't trust. On the other hand, he could come out public with it, make a public explanation of her sin... And have every right to according to the law. But he didn't want to humiliate her even though he was totally disappointed in her. Now look at Matthew 1.19. Joseph, to whom she was engaged. Now in that day an engagement was, was so binding that he was referred to as the husband. right? Joseph, to whom he was, uh, she was engaged, was a righteous man. Didn't want to disgrace her publicly. And so he decided to break off the engagement quietly. we got to give... Joseph, a little bit of credit here for doing one thing right, he restrained his anger. I'm not sure if I'm in that situation with Joseph that I would take it as well as he did. He didn't take it well, but he took it as well as as anybody probably could have, right? Right? What do we do when we're mistreated by somebody? What do we do when we learn something of somebody, or maybe they've talked badly about us, or maybe they've done something directly to us? When we're mistreated by somebody, what is our tendency? What is our natural response? We want to instinctively lash out and try to get even with somebody for what they've said or done to us. Our kids aren't coming home for Christmas. Well, I'll show them when they call to wish me a Merry Christmas. After a well, while, I'm not even going to answer my phone. <laughs> Hopefully, you wouldn't do that, right? This hypothetical situation, okay? Your parents don't approve of, of your choice of a mate. Well, I'll show you. I'll send them a nasty letter and just document all of the times that, that uh, you mist- uh, as mistreated as a child or, wh- or whatever the case may be, you know? It's like this is just... We, we do these kinds of things. And, and here's the deal... Often, doing the right thing first requires restraining your impulse to do the wrong thing. Right? Let me repeat that. Often, doing the right thing first requires us to restrain our impulse to do the wrong thing. Hold your tongue. Relax your fist. Stop blowing your horn. Is anybody else about sick of the way people are driving these days and, and somebody just does the wrong thing, just slight wrong, it's not even that bad. And if, <laughs> Anybody else sick of that? Have you seen that? Anybody not sick of that? So you're the one. Okay, I get it. That's all right. That's good. Whatever. In the comic strip Calvin and Hobbes, Calvin wrote a letter to Santa, Dear Santa, every year at this time I send you a list of what I want for Christmas. And every year you callously ignore it and bring me practical things I don't want at all. What's the deal? Are you insane? Have you gone senile? Can't you read? Are you just a vindictive, twisted elf bent on destroying little kids' dreams? Hobbes read the letter and said, you know, you might want to sleep on this one. And Calvin said, I know, but it felt good to write it. You know? Okay, if that's therapeutic for you and you need to write it, write it, but don't send it. All right? You have to ask yourself, what's my ultimate goal? To release my anger and hurt them like they hurt me? Or is my goal restoration, reconciliation, joy? Restraining your frustrations might be one of the most righteous things that you can do. It might be one of the smartest things that you can do. And Joseph at least did that even though he was pretty upset. He was pretty disillusioned. But you know, Joseph wasn't the only one who was disillusioned at this point. Mary was pretty disillusioned with Joseph as well. She had just experienced the most exciting moment of her life. But when she shared the news with the guy that was going to be her husband, not only did he not share her joy, he didn't believe her. And he falsely accused her. She was on a mountaintop, his mind's in the gutter, as far as she's concerned. And no matter how hard she tried, no matter how much she pleaded, no matter how many tears she shed, he still didn't believe it, and he walks away from her. She's devastated at his disappointment and the lack of trust that he had in her. And there might be some of you who are sitting out here this morning really disillusioned by people that you believed in. Your parents, after many years, are getting a divorce. Maybe you just learned that your mother's drinking again, or your dad is watching pornography, or your son isn't attending church anymore, or your daughter is going to marry a non-believer, or your best friend lied to you, your fiancé cheated on you. Or perhaps you're like Mary, you're on this spiritual mountaintop, you're so excited, you're you're thinking about getting baptized, you want to get more involved in church, you might even be considering ministry, but the people who are closest to you are just not supporting that decision at all. And you're really disappointed in people. Or maybe you've become disillusioned with God. Maybe you've prayed so hard for something, you've prayed so hard for healing, but the person is still sick, maybe even dying. Yet an angel appeared to Joseph and brought about reconciliation and joy. Look at Matthew one twenty. As he considered this, considered what? putting her away public, or privately and divorcing her, right? And so it says, As he considered doing this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Now, here we are, 20 minutes or so into the sermon, and I haven't made a point yet. (laughs) You say, Yeah, nothing new, right? Here's three very quickly points that I want to share with you that I think can really help us during, if we're having disillusionment, if you're really disappointed in people, if you're struggling with some things that are going on in your life, if you want to learn to have joy in spite of all of this, there's three things I think you need to do. The first is that this. Put the feelings and the needs of others ahead of yourself. Even though Joseph was deeply hurt, he was still sensitive to the needs of Mary. And I think the first step to restoring your sense of joy in your life is to get your focus off of yourself and put it on other people. If you've been hurt by somebody, instead of scheming about how you can get even, I know this is going to be like really radical, send them a Christmas card with a handwritten note of encouragement at the bottom. Yeah, I heard somebody just go, whew. Don't know if I can do that. I don't know if you can either. That's between you and Jesus, I guess. Or maybe I'm just nuts and that's not what you should do. But I think, I think I'm on the right track with this. It's amazing how quickly you'll feel better. I talked with someone just yesterday. I said, listen, you're only responsible for you. And the response is up to them. All right? If you're in need, instead of wishing somebody would come to your aid... And instead of just sitting around and just moaning and griping about nobody coming to your aid, why don't you find somebody who's in need and go minister to them? It won't take long before you get your mind off of what's going on in your life with your problems and you start to help somebody and you minister to them. Or maybe you feel neglected by a family member. Again, instead of wallowing in self-pity, why don't you do your best to forgive them? Put yourself out for them again. Or maybe you find somebody that you know might even be lonelier than you. And go visit with them. I think when we start to put the needs of other people ahead of ourselves, that's when we experience pleasure and joy. In fact, I think the Bible might even say something about that and how much more blessed it is to give than to be the recipient of such things. I think that sound mental health Is partially contingent upon your willingness to forget about yourself and give to others. That's why Jesus put it simply, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. You want joy? Consider the other person more highly than yourself. In fact, the old acrostic, we talk about this a lot. Maybe you've heard it down through the years and it's just old, but the word joy is an acronym for Jesus, others, others. And you, you put Jesus first and then others and yourself last, you're going to experience joy beyond anything else you can do in this life. Second, seek to have a genuine encounter with God. If you want joy, I encourage you to really seek God out. Joseph's attitude changed because the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He had an encounter, a supernatural encounter. There's nothing like knowing you're in the presence of God and how He can help you to see things from an eternal perspective instead of in your own mind. Contemporary Christian singer Tammy Trent said one time about her husband. uh, It was during uh, a mission trip and um, he drowned during this mission trip. They'd been married for 10 years. They, uh, They were childhood sweethearts. He was her agent and best friend. But in 2001, they were in Jamaica, and they're observing a mission down there, and they were out on a boat. It was just the two of them that were taking some free time. They're out on a boat. He was free diving, and for some reason, he went down, never came back up. His body was found the next day. Drowned on September 10th, 2001. Body was found on September 11, 2001. So to add insult to injury, not only was... Tammy, mortified that she had lost her husband, she's stuck in Jamaica, not being able to get on a plane to go see anyone. Nobody's able to get on a plane to come see her. She's alone. She's confined to a hotel room. And in her grief, she said, I felt so trapped, so shocked, so grief-stricken, I cried out to the Lord for help. I prayed and I sobbed and I finally said, oh God, I need your help. I can't do this alone. Please send an angel, just one angel, to wrap his arms around me and tell me that it's going to be okay. Just then, there was a knock at the door and it was a cleaning lady. And she said, I heard your sobbing, are you okay? Okay. She said, no, my husband drowned. She said that the cleaning woman grabbed her and embraced her and asked her if she was a Christian. She said, yes, I am. She said, can I pray for you? And she prayed for me and comforted me in that moment. She said, as I sat in the hotel room reading my Bible, in the next room, I could hear the cleaning lady praying and singing hymns and choruses as she cleaned. She said, I asked for God to come and to send me just one angel. And he did, dressed in a Hilton cleaning outfit. (laughs) She said, I know there's hope. I know there's a heaven. I know it's true that these light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. She said, I know that I can get through this with God's help. It's amazing how your attitude can change when you have a genuine encounter with God Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13 we, we, we like Jeremiah 29 11 a lot but sometimes we don't read past that and look at verse 13 it says if you look for me wholeheartedly you will find me now most of the time God's not going to send you an angel he might not even send you an understanding cleaning lady Right, But He will minister to you in some way. Maybe in a way that you least expect. It. But here's the deal. You have to be willing to seek God. You have to be willing to go after Him. To put yourself in a position where you can meet Him. Read your Bible. Pray. Listen to Christian music. Worship in church. Visit with Christian friends. You ever been struggling with something and during the worship service, something is said, maybe it's a song that Spencer led us in or maybe it's something that I've read from God's Word and you just, everything just kind of clicks. Suddenly, the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace when you have a genuine encounter with God. I saw a sign over a liquor store. I was driving by it. I said that, it's like, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. I saw a sign over a liquor store. Uh, maybe you've seen it. It says, get your Christmas spirits here. That sign doesn't belong over a liquor store. That's false advertising. That a sign belongs over a church. Get the spirit of God here. Get the Christmas spirit here. Change your perspective. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, finally, number three, walk in obedience every day, no matter where God leads you. If you want joy, walk in obedience every single day. When Mary said, I am the Lord's servant, you do to me as you've said, she didn't know what she's going to face. She didn't know that she was going to have this painful misunderstanding of probably nearly everyone in her life. She didn't know she was going to have the accusation of a moral failure from her friends and from her family. She didn't know that she was going to have a baby in a stable with a bunch of stinky animals. She didn't know that she was going to be raising this incredibly gifted, but I can imagine challenging child. You think you've got problems with some of your children. This is the son of God who knew everything. I mean, he was a great kid. I know that. But that had to be challenging in and of itself. She didn't know what that was all going to include. She didn't understand what the loneliness was going to be like at times. She didn't fully understand what it was going to be like watching her son die on the cross. The Bible says when Joseph woke up from the dream, he did exactly what God commanded. That means that he waited to consummate the marriage. He raised the child that wasn't really his. He fleed Bethlehem in the middle of the night and went to Egypt for a couple of years to save the baby's life. You know, the real test of character is nearly every... Uh, the, real, the real test is in every situation is really putting forth that consistent effort every day. It's all right. I'm good. It's good. I know you're a little embarrassed. That's good. Is that the Holy Spirit? Is somebody speaking to us right now? That's all good. Hey, it's no big deal. It's just one of our elders. No big deal. Uh, Take that if you need to, right? All right. But here's the deal. It's the daily grind. It's the consistency of getting up every day and doing what God is asking you to do. There was a guy by the name of Fitz Chrysler. He was a great violinist, one of the greatest in the world. But he had this one big problem all of his life he hated to practice. But he had a wife that was very disciplined and really concerned about his career. And so she was on him all the time to practice, practice, practice. She'd say, have you practiced today? Be sure to practice. And he'd constantly come up with excuses to avoid practicing. Yet she was persistent. And finally, toward the end of his career, they had this big banquet to honor him for how wonderful he was, how he was this incredible musician. And all of these world-renowned conductors and musicians, one after another, stood, uh, walked up to the podium and said, all of these wonderful flowery things about this great violinist and talked about just how wonderful he was in terms of his ability. One even went so far as to say he's the world's greatest living musician. And when he heard that, Chrysler turned to his wife and whispered, have you ever heard such praise? And without cracking a smile, his wife said, yeah, just think what would have been said if you had practiced. What do you want people to say about you what do you want God to say about you? Well done thou good and faithful servant. I hope that's what that's all you want. Hall of Fame coach Vince Lombardi said I believe that man's finest hour, his greatest performance is in that moment when he's worked his heart out in a good cause and he lies exhausted on the field of battle victorious. That's the s- same's true of a Christian life, but it doesn't happen without us practicing being prepared, diving into God's Word, reading His Word, praying, worshiping, serving. The lukewarm Christian does not experience much joy, but the wholehearted Christian experiences an inner satisfaction, an inner joy. The world doesn't explain. Jesus himself said, blessed are those, that word blessed means joyful, it means happy are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. That's why the gospel begins, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, Christ the Lord. And it ends... By saying, after the resurrection and ascension, the disciples left with great joy, continually praising the Lord. As our worship team comes this morning, I want to close with a question. Do you have that kind of joy? If you want that kind of joy, if you want that real joy, that wonderful joy, you need a relationship with Jesus. You're not going to find it in any other thing. Confess Him today as the Christ. Repent of your sins. Be baptized into Him for the washing away of your sins. Start living your life daily, practicing in His Word and talking to Him to become all that you can be through Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you want to make that decision, we encourage you to come during this decision. If you've already made that decision, I encourage you to to step out of the lukewarmness And to really dive in to what God has for your life. Are you willing to say, like Mary, God, whatever you want to do, I'm good with that. I'm going to ask you to stand and uh, as we go to the Lord in prayer, whatever it might be that you have a need for, we encourage you to come.